How you guys doing? Blessed. Two people are blessed. That's what's up. We are starting a new series, going back to the source. <clears throat> and what I'm going to talk about today is going back to the source of truth. Going back to the source of truth. So let's go to uh, Second Facebook, chapter 6, verse, verse 7. That's not where we get our truth from? I'm not bad at it. Everybody don't got a Facebook page. So let's, let's go to a third. Let's go to third Instagram. Well, that's not you either. How about let's go to let's go to first Chronicles of CNN. Because I know some, something, something, something's got to be truthful in, in, in one of those things. That has to be the source. That has to be what we're plugged in at. Because we spend a lot of time, a whole lot of time on those things. I didn't say you. I said we. Don't think I'm just talking about you. Let's go to the book of Twitter. Third TikTok. My sons like to worship on uh, the, the, the Sabbath of, of, of Snapchat. The source of truth. Where are we getting our truth from? Where are we getting our peace from? Where are we getting our joy from? Where are we getting our happiness from? Where are we getting our love from? Let's change it up a, real, a little bit. Where are we getting our hate from? Where are we getting our prejudice from? Where are we getting our classism from? Where are we getting our racism from? Where are we getting our hate from? The source. The source. If you would have seen me, like, side angle, two years ago, this wouldn't be so fat. But my source ain't good. I've been eating bad, so you can see it on me. Mm, I'm going to say that one more time. He threw me off. I don't even remember where I was at now. Some of us have been eating bad, and we can see it. We can see it in your post. We can see it in the text messages. We can see it in the conversation, our, 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 our food is bad. So where, we, where, where did Jesus want us to get our truth from? Mm. Pinterest? The truth is there are so many people talking to me right now. I hope, I hope that when I speak to me that other people can, can hear me when I say, the truth is that a lot of people are waiting for me while I'm waiting for my page to load. We're in 2 Timothy chapter 3 today. We're going to read verses 1 through 17. If you brought your Bibles with you, you can read from your lap, from your phone. If your eyes are bad like my wife, you can read from the large print. She got her glasses, though, so she's not going to read from the large print. I'm going to pay for that later. <laughs> but understand this, <clears throat> that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, 
ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness. Now, before I got to that part, I'm sure like me, you thought that we were talking about people of the world. This is talking about the church. Having the appearance of Christianity, having the appearance of loving God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions. Always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of truth. Always learning. That means you got to be looking at something that isn't truth. And never able to arrive at a knowledge of truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth. Men corrupted in mind and disqualifying regarding the faith, but they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed. All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. You can go through some things. While evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, Third Street, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from what you have learned, it and, yeah, it ain't, it ain't, it ain't come out the way I want it to be, from whom you learned it and how from your childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Praise God for the reading of his word. Let's eat. John Calvin said, until men recognize that they owe everything to God, that they are no nourished by his fatherly care, that he is the author of their every good work, that they should seek nothing beyond him, until that is understood, they will never yield him willing service. No, unless they establish their complete happiness in him, they will never give themselves truly and sincerely to him. So what is the truth about the word that we read? The truth is, it's broken into two sections. We call it the Old Testament and the New Testament. What that truly is saying is there was an old covenant and there's a new covenant. Uh -huh. The source of truth that we call the Bible is about covenant. It's about relationship. In the Old Testament, you see the Adam and Eve, you see the Enoch covenant. Then you see the covenant of Noah and Abraham and Moses and then the priestly covenant and then the David covenant. And then you get to the Christ covenant that we are under. The agreement that we are under. The reason why we needed so many covenants was not because of who God is. It's because of who we are. Because essentially the way the covenant will go is God would say, okay, this is what I promise you in our relationship. And if you do this, I promise you this is what I'm going to give you. 
And then he would flip it and he would say, but if you do this, I promise you, this is what I'm going to give you. And he would give us kings to help us understand. He would give us judges to help us understand. He would give us prophets. And the prophets didn't come giving uh, predictions like we talking about who's going to win the NBA finals. They only gave us back the word that God gave us. He, they gave us a reminder of the promise. They gave us a reminder of the covenant. And when you look at it in Jeremiah, when you look at it in Isaiah, they're saying, hey, I'm telling you that this is going to happen because this is what I'm seeing. Yeah, God told me to tell you, so I'm not just telling you out of whim because I'm angry at what I'm seeing. Yeah, I'm being moved by the Holy Spirit, but I'm telling you that this is what I see. And in my word, in the promises that I've seen of God, this is what God said he's going to do when this is what I see. I'm telling y'all, if we look back at the covenant, we're seeing things that are more woes than they are positive. So let's get us to the promise of truth. Let's get back to the source of truth. Jesus says, I am the truth. So let's get back to Jesus. Let us get to the source. Let's get to what the word says about Jesus. In the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, before he arrived, before he was our Savior, You've seen things like eye for an eye. You think, you, you, you've seen things that said if someone treats you a certain type of way, if someone does something, it's okay for you to think this way. It's okay for you to react a certain type of way because of what they did. But then Jesus comes on the scene. And he says, you know, I'm, I know you may have heard it said this way. I think back to where it says, when I was a child, I thought like a child. I behaved as a child. I acted as a child. But when I became a man, I put childish things away. What that scripture is truly saying is, when I didn't know Jesus, I thought like I didn't know Jesus. I behaved like I didn't know Jesus. I acted like I didn't know Jesus. I responded like I didn't know Jesus. But when I got to learn Jesus, it changed how I acted, it changed how I behaved, it changed how I posted, it changed how I love my wife, it changed how I love my children. Amen. Jesus said this, he said in John 13, 34, love as I have loved you. What does that mean to you? Love as I have loved. Do you remember how I loved? I want that to be the question that Jesus is asking you right now. Do you remember how I loved? How I let them pull my beard completely off my face? How I opened my arms wide and I let them put nails through my hands, nails through my feet. Do you remember how I loved? Because I want you to love other people how I loved you. Do you remember how I, how I could have called legions, how I could have ran away, how I could have dropped the cross? Do you remember how I, I just stayed there and let them take the stick and put the crown of thorns through my flesh so that they can put it on my head? Do you remember how I loved you? Because my truth says that that's how he wants us to love other people. 
question for you today is going to be in three parts. And the first part is, can you handle the truth? Are we too far gone to love one another? Has sin, has sin become so rampant that we are like the Old Testament people, that every thought is a thought of evilness? That there's, that there's nothing pure in our hearts? Does God look at earth right now and like, man, I wish I, would have, I, I wouldn't have made that, that, that rainbow covenant because I just want to destroy everything again. Can you handle the truth? There's a movie, it's called A Few Good Men. And it's a really good movie, man. If you ain't never seen it, you got you to you you cop that. It's like $12.99 on Prime Video. You can get an HD, SD. I don't even really know what SD means, but it was an option. <laughs> and in the movie, I'll, take, I'll tell you what I got from it. In the movie, there's, there's like five or six main characters. You got Demi Moore. And I'm not really good with names, so I'm going to mess one of these names up. You got Jack Nicholson. Nicholas, which one it is? Nicholson. You got Jack Nicholson. You got Tom Cruise. And then you got these other guys. I don't remember what their names are in real life. But the, the main character, in my opinion, is the dude Santiago. Essentially what Santiago is, is he's a problem. He's a problem. He ain't like everybody else. He ain't from where everybody else is from. He don't perform like everybody else. And essentially what happens is he puts, uh, he, he puts his, his, his friends in a, in a situation to where they feel like they have to, they have to teach him a lesson. Because he, he ain't following the code. He's not doing what he's supposed to be doing. He's making everybody else feel bad or, or, or making everybody else uh, look bad. And, and once again, the biggest part is he's not following the code. There's a code in the Marines that he ain't really uh, holding his, his part of. So what they do is uh, they follow orders because they were trained to do something specific. And in them following orders, because of how they were trained, Santiago ends up being killed. Does that sound like something you've recently seen? They were trained to do something specific. They followed orders to do what they were trained, and because of it, someone's not going home. So what happens is, is these lawyers, and these lawyers are trying to figure out whether these two people are actually guilty because of what they've done, or if they're actually not guilty because they're only doing what they were trained to do. And on top of that, they have orders to do so. So it gets to the nitty-gritty part of the movie, which everybody loves, which you're at the, you're at the Tom Cruise, Jack Nicholson, not Jack Nicholson, did I say it right? And, and it's these two dudes, and they're going back and forth in court, and, and uh, Tom Cruise is trying to get the truth from Jack. And Jack says, you want answers? And, and Tom says, I want the truth. I thought I was going to get like a response there. Like, like I was acting real good, Dio. And Jack says, you can't handle the truth. Can you handle the truth? Let's think back for a second. Let's, let's go back to the scripture because my acting wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be. Moses was at a place, right? He was at a space. And, and 
Moses felt more comfortable to leave this place and go to another space. And then when Moses gets to this other place, Jesus says, hey, I need you to go back to the place that you just left. Sometimes I, I, I think about in these last seven days what Pastor Corey spoke about with the up, the in, and the out. And when I was preparing for the sermon, uh, I feel like the Holy Spirit, I feel like I was convicted. You can, you, can, you can say that I can say that God gave me, but I feel like God was saying, saying uh, Third Street, we're in a space, we're in a place. And we like to leave this place and go back to another place that we feel more comfortable. But God is saying, hey, I need you back at the space that you just left. And there's a reason why. God said, I need you to go tell the people that are holding my people captive to let my people go. I, I know you don't feel absolutely comfortable in that space that you just left. I know you don't feel like that community is really the community that you want to be a part of. You really just go there for. But I need you to go back there because those people are enslaved. Those people are not being treated, 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 treated justly. Those people don't have food to eat. Those people are being treated like slaves. Those, those people are going through some things, and I need you to go back. But there was a fear, natural fear, a natural fear that Moses had. I'm not wanted there. I left for a reason. Too many people know about my past there. I did some stuff before I left. That's the reason why I left. I really like the community that I just left for. Me and my father-in-law, like, we kick it in this community. I got kids in this community. My wife is in this community. I just was at that community for something else. Then he had personal fears. Are they even going to listen to me in that community? I don't really know what to say to them in that community. How do I say who you are in that community? I'm not going to be able to speak to them. I'm slow of speech. Where my phone at? It ain't around me. Uh, can I use your phone? Let's go to Exodus chapter 4 real quick. Verse 1 through 4. I want to go a little bit deeper into this fear. He said, I can't talk. On top of me not being able to talk, I stutter a little bit. Can anybody else give me Exodus 1 4? My wife's uh, internet is slow. Cricket wireless. <laughs> I was playing. We got we got sprint, but it's just as bad. Moses answered, "What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you?" Then the Lord said to him, "What is that in your hand?" He said, "A staff." The Lord said, "Throw it on the ground." Yes. Moses threw it on the ground and became it became a snake, and then he ran from it. Then the Lord said, reach out with your hand. Take it by the tail. So Moses reached out, took hold of the snake, and it turned back into a staff in his hand. The first thing that Jesus is going to do for us is he's going to turn, turn that fear. Yeah. He's going to change that fear. 
That thing that makes you not want to come back. That things that makes you say they're not going to see me the way that you think that they're going to see me. That things that makes you say, I don't want to go there. He's going to change that. Now, I know you're thinking, maybe. How does that have anything to do with his fear outside of the fact that he ran from it because it was a snake? Well, what did they use a staff for in that period of time? You never hear anything in the Old Testament about Moses having a limp. He had a bad knee. He didn't twist his ankle hooping. The reason why he had the staff was because he was scared of snakes. That's the reason why as soon as it turned into a snake, he was like, come on, Jesus, man. I'm going to do the hop again. I'm trying to get back to my Emmy. People carried staffs specifically because they were scared of snakes. So the first thing that Jesus did was show him, I'm stronger than your fear. Who made man's mouth? That you would question why you can't do what God is telling you to do. Then he didn't just say, stop being scared. He gave instruction. Pick the snake up by the tail. Because if you pick it up to what you're fearful of by the weakness, then it becomes a strength. Because the snake is not strong enough when you hold it by the tail to actually hold up its body weight. It's the source of truth. God is going to destroy our fear so that we can destroy the enemy that is taking advantage of this community. My son Caleb has a problem. You heard four people chuckles because they know Caleb. Caleb refuses to sleep in his bed. He refuses to sleep in his bed. So a couple nights ago, I tried to do that, that double rollover to get to my wife. And Caleb was like, move. <laughs> Scoot over, daddy. So I picked him up. I took him to his room. And I woke my wife up. I said, baby, we got a problem. I did my, my routine double rollover, and Caleb was in the way. Like, I, I can't keep fighting with this dude to get to your love. It's the PG-13 version. So my wife said, I'm going to give you the exact words, because when she said it, I had to get up and put it in my notepad. She said, I'll fix the problem when I feel like losing sleep to fix it. She says, right now it makes me sleep better to just let the problem go. I promise you that's where your heart is. God said, this is the posture of my heart. That there's problems that I don't want to deal with because I'm going to have to lose sleep to deal with them. I'd rather just rest and be comfortable where I'm at, then I have to deal with the problem so much that it's going to actually affect me because it's not a problem for me. Amen. It's a problem for the other person. Come on, but in order for me to fix the problem for the other person, I'm going to have to actually let it affect me, and I'm cool on that. Yeah. I think sometimes, just sometimes, we're not hands-on Christians. 
We've turned into finger Christians. It's a problem. I, I make a post. I get on Instagram. I make a small video. It's a problem. I point it out. Look, 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 look. 13-year-old boy just got killed. Look. Look, 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 look what this police officer is doing. His, his, his knee is on, on, on someone's neck. Look, 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 look. That's, that's, that's where we're at right now sometimes. Let's go back to the source of truth. When did Jesus ever be on the side? Like, look, 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 look. Check this out. I'm going to keep it moving. Jesus was so not a finger point Christian that we've never read anything that Jesus wrote. I'm going to say that again. He ain't never made no posts. Jesus ain't never made no posts. He ain't never had time to write something down so you can understand how he feel about a problem. Jesus just fix it. He get hands on. He gets knees dirty. When the woman got through at the feet, what was the first thing he did? Got his knees dirty. Woo, that was good. That just came to me right now. The first thing Jesus did when they brought her forth as an accuser is he got his knees dirty. In order for me to make this woman feel right, I got to get my knees dirty. I'm going to write in the sand for a little bit. I'm going to make sure before you leave that you don't treat this woman the way that you was treating her before you brought her to me. I'm going to make sure before you leave you don't act the way you was acting when you brought her to me. He ain't made no post about it, though. Let's get back to the truth. Let's get back to the source. Paul said it. He said, you see my faith? You see my patience? You see my work? You see how I'm working? You see what I'm doing? You see I'm being persecuted? But Jesus is going to take care of me. What Paul was saying in verse 10 and 11 of uh, of 2 Timothy chapter 3 was, yeah, I'm going through some stuff, but I'm not about to stop. I'm going to keep working. I feel like at times... I have, I have went back to the, uh, to the elementary school me. I know DeAndre understands what I'm talking about because we have the same mother and the same father who told us during recess, you bet not play football because if you come home with grass stains in your pants, it's over with. So what did we do? What we do, Dio? We played anyway, and we told him, I can't get tackled. And as soon as you tackle me, I'm ready to fight, because now I'm going to have to get this whooping when I get home. The situation is very simple. I'm going to play, but you're going to have to let me play by my rules, and I'm not getting all the way in because I don't want to get too dirty because there's some things that I need to be able to go back home and look a certain type of way for. You remember, see, some of y'all, some of y'all didn't play at, at, at playground, so I'm going to go back to another story. You remember when your parents used to say, it's time to go, but you can go outside for a little bit, and as soon as you get outside, somebody got a squirt gun, and you like, let me play? Yeah. Miss Rob has been there. I can see it by the chuckle. Miss Rob has been there. And then when you get outside, you like, let me play, but I can't get wet. Yeah. And as soon as they squirt you, you like, I told you I can't get wet. 
We want to play, but we don't want to play all the way. We ain't trying to get dirty. Just let us, just let us get as deep into the gospel as we want to. Let us get deep in the community. Like, I don't want to be all the way in the community. Just let me get as much into ministry as I feel comfortable with. I don't want to mess up this cake by putting too much sugar in it. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> Corey told me, he said, you're going to get off subject and you got to stay on subject. Just imagine if Jesus was like, I just fed 5,000. Why I got to go over there? And it's a storm coming. I had a dream last night. I'm a fast dude. I'm old, though. And in my dream, I promise you, I was going, Dio. Four, three, five. And what happened was, I was at the, uh, the cusp of, uh, 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 of a problem, and God split the Red Sea. And I took off. Because the Pharaoh's army was back in. Yeah. So the Pharaoh's army's coming. It's a sea of problems. God splits the sea. I take off. Four, three, five. As I take off, it's people who also have problems who are trying to get through the sea. I'm dodging them. Eric Metcalf. Trying to get to the promises of God. Old people. I'm, sh I'm shaking the old person. Kid on the crutches. Stiff arm him. What I realized when I woke up is I didn't take anybody to the promise with me. This is a blessed church. Yes. Yes, it is. I've been to other churches. I got a budget here. <laughs> Jeremy, I got a budget. You understand what I'm saying? If I want to take your daughters to lunch and my sons, I can ask Miss Cease for a debit card. Hallelujah. I got a budget, Dio. I did 12, minutes, 12 years of ministry at another church, and I probably made about $250 in 10 years. I get paid to do this. And on top of that, they got enough money to give me a budget. I don't know if Corey wanted me to say that. Is it too much? I might have said too much. Keep giving your tithes, though. Sometimes we leave here, and the only thing that we're worrying about is getting to our promise. 
And there's so many people who are crippled who cannot get across the Red Sea by themselves. And if God split the sea, and correct me if I'm wrong, Corey, this isn't the scripture where it says that they crossed the sea on dry ground. That's another scripture. So this would have been a situation, in my opinion, that when he split the Red Sea, all of that was muddy. Everything that they had to get through to get to the promise was muddy ground. Kids, elderly, sick people, people who had been enslaved for hundreds of years. Only the strong was getting across real quick. Everybody else had to have help. So what does that mean? That means that we helped them. That means that the Israelites wasn't so scared of the Pharaoh's army that they was just sprinting four, three, five, trying to get to the promise. That means that the men and women who are able were helping the people who were not able. So I ask you, are you trying to not get dirty? I talked to Corey this week and he was like, man, I feel kind of bad because I feel like people might have took my message the wrong way. Like, I was trying to say that the only way that you can do ministry is by coming back to Third Street to do ministry. And that's not Corey's heart. If anybody knows Corey, that's not Corey's heart. That's my heart, though. That's my heart. I'm here Monday through Saturday. I see these kids with no fathers. I see these kids with no resources. These kids that are scared to death that they're going to die before they graduate. They need you. need you. They need you. Don't be fearful. God has what we need to take care of this community. He could have planted this church in North Kent. His building's next to Malone. He came to the hood for a reason. This is our community. So my sons, they came to me on a Monday, and they said, uh, Dad, we need some money. And I said, dude, I just gave you allowance on Thursday. It's Monday. We need money. (laughs) At the time, I was upset. I literally talked to my wife about it. I talked to Corey about it. I brought it up at my leader's cohort. My kids got a problem. These dudes, it's selfish. This one right here. And him too. But what he said is, he said, I know you gave me something already, but I need something again. I know you'd be here on Tuesdays sometimes, but on Thursdays, we need you again. Mm. It's depleted. Mm. Now, they they bought 
Uber Eats for $26 and all they got was a drink and some fries. But this community ain't on that. I'm dead serious. Sometimes I be getting, I be getting Uber Eats notifications from their green light. Like these dudes have spent $16 at McDonald's, just one of them. I'm like, what you get? Apple pie. Like these tip the driver $14, dude. My, my sons were telling me something. What have you done for me lately? I know you helped me out on Thursday, Dad, but I don't need you to be a, just a Thursday dad. I need you again on Monday. And when I need you again on Monday, I need you to understand that that's your responsibility to be there again for me on Monday. And if I ask you again on Wednesday, then I'm going to need you to be there for me on Wednesday. If I'm depleted, I need you. This community is depleted. Jesus said, if I don't leave, the Holy Spirit won't come and you won't have what you need. So in order for you to get what you need, I'll die. I'll take the punches. I take them spitting on me. I take them talking about me. In order for you to have what you need, I give you anything I want. But what was the first step that he said? I need you to love people like that. Yeah. That means sometimes when you get off work, you got to go to work again. Yeah. yeah, I know your shift end at eight. So what? Corey not going to let me preach again. Yeah, I know you're tired. So what? I was here to 1.30 last night. I'm preaching right now. And I'm not saying that to be boastful of anything. Once again, I get paid to do this. So it's a little bit different. <laughs> but he don't get paid to do it. Stand up, Brian. Amen. Stand up, Brian. Amen. What time you get here yesterday? What time you leave? Dio, what time you get here yesterday? What time you leave? Jeremy, what time you get here yesterday? You, you, you came with me. <laughs> Ain't none of them getting no checks. Yeah. How about that? I can say, Amen. for me, I got paid. You can say, for me, yeah, you being all high and mighty up there, but this is your job. This ain't their job. They just love the community. Brian was here the day before, on a Saturday, with his kids from Tikva. Brian, you get paid on Saturdays? No. The word of truth. Love your neighbor. Amen. Do for your neighbor Amen. what Jesus would do for you. Yes. I'm going to tell you one scripture and I'm going to get out of here. Matthew 2, 16 through 18. Then when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the magic, I don't know if I said that right, he became very enraged and sent and slew all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all its vicinity from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the Magi. I don't know if I said that right. Then what had been spoken through Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. A voice was heard in Ramah. I don't know if I pronounced that right. Weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and she refused to be comforted because they were no more. Why are people outraged? Why are kids in this community so lost? Because their fathers are no more. Because the relationship with their mother is gone. 
I called Corey a couple days ago and I said, hey, Corey, I'm going to need you to find somebody who can break this lock on this basketball, this basketball rack because I lost the key. No, I didn't. I didn't say I lost the key. I said the key is gone. <laughs> and me and Corey said it at the same time. We said, it's Canton. Somebody know how to break in. Somebody can get in this thing. So I started to name people who I thought were the problem. And I literally said, Connor was on vacation, but maybe it was him. You get what I'm saying, Lauren? It couldn't have been him. He was on vacation. But I still blamed it on him. Then I said, well, Patrick and Zach was here. Maybe it was them. My, Pat, my bad, Pat, but I blamed it on you. <laughs> then I said, Dio still got keys. Maybe it was him. Literally, I'm not lying. You can ask Corey. This is my word-for-word -word conversation with Corey. Then I got in the car with my sons, and I blamed it on both of them. <laughs> Jeremy and Jordan, y'all was the ones that opened the rack. Jeremy like, nope, Jordan opened the rack. Jordan was like, Jeremy, you know I never open the rack. It's always you that's thirsty to try to get a basketball real quick when we get in the gym. So we go home, and when we get home, I look on the fireplace, and the key is right there. Wow. So what I do? I come back and I blame it on them again. Which one of y'all had the key? Because I know your mama found it in your shorts or your pants or something like that, and she put it on the fireplace. And what did they do? They was like, it was Caleb. <laughs> and honestly, I was like, maybe it was. <laughs> maybe the three-year-old had it all the time. <laughs> Moral of the story, 30 minutes goes by. I never said it was me. Amen. To the point that I blamed it on my three-year-old son. Maybe it was me. If you take nothing else from my conversation, it's this. How are we going to fix this community? Maybe it's me. When the 13-year-old boy ran and he put his hands up and the police officer shot him, the first time I seen the video, I said to myself, what church is in that community? Because maybe the church could have read, met that 13-year-old boy so he wasn't running around with another 21-year-old boy that he had no, pro, no issue, I mean, no, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, baby? No reason to be with. That's why God said that he would give her a woman. She would be the completion. He had no reason to be with that 21-year-old. How are we going to get the prostitution to stop in this area code, the zip code? Maybe it's me. How are we going to get these young black kids to stop killing other young black kids? Maybe it's me. Maybe it's me. I hope that you ask yourself that on your way home today. Bless up.